Well, it's a joy to be here with you tonight. And I remind us all that we are not alone. Though the Lord is in glory, we are not orphaned. The Spirit of God is with us. And if you were to look in the Old Testament to the references concerning the Spirit of God, you would discover that there are roughly 80. You study those and discover that the Spirit of God was a creator. That the Spirit of God was one that was striving with mankind. That the Spirit of God was regenerating the hearts of those who would believe. Very active, but empowering special people. The Spirit of God would come down and empower judges, kings, priests. The Spirit of God would come down and empower the man who would be chosen of God to make the tabernacle. Special anointing power and commissioning by the Spirit of God. Roughly 80 references. And you look at all of those empowerings and you discover that they are people that will prefigure the work of Christ. For He is the prophet. He is the priest. He is the judge. He is the king. And then you turn your attention to the New Testament, a third the size of the Old Testament, but nearly three times the references to the Spirit of God in the New Testament as there are in the Old. We are living in the age of God's Spirit. And you look at the impact of the Spirit of God on the life of the Lord Jesus, and it was the Spirit of God that pre pre uh, prepared the body in the womb of the Virgin Mary that our Lord would live in. And then it was the Spirit of God at the baptism of Christ that descended upon Him, beginning His ministry. And it was the Spirit of God that drove Him into the wilderness. It was the Spirit of God that sustained Him in the wilderness. It was the Spirit of God that brought Him back from the wilderness. And you read the Gospels very carefully and you discover that it was the Spirit of God that empowered the Lord to perform His miracles. He did these through the Spirit of God. He offered Himself without spot to God on the cross by the Spirit. And the Father, the Son, and the Spirit were instrumental in the resurrection of Christ. And for 40 days after His resurrection, He through the Spirit of God gave instruction concerning the kingdom of God 
before he ascended. And he made a promise that though he would leave this earth in his person, he would not leave us alone. That he would send the Spirit. And the Spirit of God came. And the promise was that we will receive what? Power. After the Spirit of God has come upon us and we might be witnesses. Is that what the text says? It says we shall be witnesses. If our Lord was so dependent on the Spirit of God, aren't we? That blessed book given to us by the Spirit of God, that sanctifying book, we do fall, we do sin. We do get our feet muddy. If you're like me, you get your hands muddy too. But there is one who will enable us to say no to our flesh if we through the Spirit mortify the deeds of the body. We shall live. And we are to hear what the Spirit says to the churches in his book. And we are to walk with the Spirit of God. We are to acknowledge his presence with us as we go through life. I wonder if any of you today called on the Spirit of God and had a conversation with the Spirit of God. He is to fill us. And that filling will come through His Word. We are not alone. And we are to stop grieving Him. We are to stop resisting Him. We are to stop quenching Him. And we need Him. I'll never forget the day in Western North Carolina when I was, I was bent on sinning. And I climbed in my car, and I drove out of the church parking lot, Pastor, and I was bent on sinning. I didn't go very far, and I pulled my car off to the side. And I said, Spirit of God, I need you right now. And something happened. And it wasn't a thing that I did. It was the Spirit of God stepping in and taking away the desire for disobedience. Have you ever experienced that? We need the Spirit of God 
and He's with us. We are not alone. We're not orphaned. And I believe that probably we as believers need to be cultivating a relationship with the blessed Spirit of the living God. And as you go through the book of Acts, you discover that every time someone was said to be full of the Holy Spirit, they were always doing something. Does anybody recall what that was? What were they doing? Well, they were praying. There was prayer. I'm thinking of something else. They were always sharing the message of Christ. And could it be tonight that our failure in sharing this glorious gospel of God is due to our lack of submission to God's Spirit? Spirituality is the believer's submission to the Holy Spirit. That's what true spirituality is. <clears throat> and I believe that the passion of the Holy Spirit is to make Christ known. It was the passion in the Old Testament. It's the passion in the New. That is not an original phrase. I didn't come up with it. Matter of fact, an older man who's with the Lord older man in our church in western North Carolina, Hendersonville. His name is Grady Stepp. His wife's still living. Grady very seldom said anything. But if Grady said anything, you better listen. And I'd preached a series on the Holy Spirit, and he came up to me one Sunday night after the message, and in a very quiet way, he looked at me and he said, Bill, the passion of the Holy Spirit is to make Christ known. Well, he nailed it. Another thing he used to say to me, I, he said it multiple times, and for the life of me, I couldn't understand it when he told me the first several times. You know what he said? He said, Bill, Jesus is the last Adam. I just kind of stare at him. I had no idea what he was talking about. And all, no, I didn't. I didn't realize that the story of the Bible was the story of two men and the people they represent. The first man and the second man, the first man and the last man, Adam and Christ. But it was while I was ministering in that place with this older man, Grady, that I came in contact with your ministry. Faith Free Presbyterian. And I want you to know that Faith Free Presbyterian Church has a beachhead for the gospel of God in America's greatest city, most influential city. You have a beachhead. 
a place that you can land anytime you want, and you'll come in contact with people all over the world. They all visit New York. They all live in New York. Those of you that have been know that. And I'm indebted to this place. It holds a special place in my heart. And it started with Dr. Barrett when I was in college, graduate school. I'll never forget the impact that his little book had on my life, Complete in Him. And the fifth chapter on justification. And the simplicity of the gospel. God demands a perfect obedience. Man can't obey perfectly. Jesus Christ obeyed perfectly and God in His grace will allow the obedience of Christ to count for any and all who will trust Him. That message of imputed righteousness was not the message that I heard growing up. I pastored two churches before I came to understand that message. God used Reggie Kimbrough, who's in the Free Church. He used to talk to me. He started feeding me books on the imputation of the righteousness of Christ. And I began to understand Grady, the last Adam. And I began to understand that the obedience of Christ could count for me. For years I doubted my salvation until I understood that message of the gospel. And I've never doubted it since. And Dr. Cairns, our dear brother who's with the Lord, I'll never forget when I met him in a restaurant after attending your church. Had a talk with him in a restaurant, he and his wife. I just went up to him and I shared how much I was enjoying listening to him preach. And how when I started to travel to raise funds to go to New York, if I was ever in the Greenville area and I didn't have a meeting, I'd come and sit in your pews and listen to him preach Christ. And he fed my heart and he warmed my soul. And of course, I've met my dear friend, Stephen Lee, here. And Stephen Lee sits on all of our boards in New York. And while I'm not a Presbyterian, the great doctrines of grace have warmed my soul informed the preaching of the gospel. So thank you for this place. The leaders of this place and leaders in the free church movement appreciate your pastor and the messages that I've heard you preach and how they've warned my soul of you taken us to Christ. I had no idea that I would wind up in New York. But after the message of imputation 
broke on my understanding and coupled with the atoning work of Christ that he lived for me and he died for me. When that understanding came, I was in western North Carolina. I had just built a 3,600 square foot home. We thought we were going to raise our six kids in Hendersonville. Then one Sunday, an A.J. Overton visited our church. A.J. used to teach Greek at Bob Jones University. He used to pastor a church, a Baptist church in Hendersonville. He said, can I come and answer a little girl's letter from the Awana program she wrote to me? He said, I'd like to answer it in person. I said, sure, come. He spoke to our men's Sunday school class. He preached in the morning message. I took him to, to lunch. And over the table, I just met him a few hours ago. He looked at me and he said, Bill, I think you're my replacement in New York. I laughed. Because a few months earlier, a friend that I had in college had called me up on the phone. And he said to me, he said, I'm getting ready to start another church in Manhattan. I've got one in Brooklyn. Would you come to New York and take the Brooklyn church? I was on the phone less than five minutes with him, and I, this is what I said. I said, there's no way I'm leaving western North Carolina and going to New York. I should have said, there's no way I'm leaving the Baha western North Carolina and going to the Bahamas. I discovered something. Our great creator created all of us in his image. And we're all different from one another, and yet we are uniquely equipped by God. And if the power of the Spirit of God will come on our lives, then God will use us for the furtherance of His kingdom and the preaching of His glorious gospel. And we're all wired differently. No way going to North, leave North Carolina and go to New York. Then God in His providence brought a health scare in my life. I'd had a significant limp. They didn't know where it was coming from. I went into a neurologist. I had an exam in his office. He gave me an examination. And then he looked at me and he said, Bill, you were not here. He said, do you have any life insurance? I said, well, I got a little bit. He said, you need to go and get your affairs in order. And once you've got your affairs in order, then I want you to come back and I'm going to register a full exam and we're going to move forward with my hunch. I said, what are, you, what are you trying to tell me, doctor? He said, I think that there is a tumor, and he named the tumor down in some portion of my brain, but he said, you need to get your affairs in order. you imagine the impact that had on my life? Well, I went back home, talked with my wife, called one of my friends, talked with them about it, got my affairs in order, increased my life insurance. And then I went back to see the neurologist. Well, just to make a long story short, they did a number of exams from the tumor. They thought it was MS. My mother had MS. My sister has MS. So they continued to run tests. They couldn't find anything up here. Literally, it's empty. <laughs> but it was during that period when they thought I had MS, 
I knew what MS looked like. My mother died of MS, and my sister had MS. And I thought, if I had just eight years of effective ministry, how would I want to spend it? How would I want to invest my life? And it was the message of the imputation of the righteousness of Christ that I heard so strongly in this place that my wife and I, it was that message, we said, if we're going to invest eight years of our life, let's do it in New York City. And let's preach the message of the imputation of the righteousness of Christ and His atoning death and resurrection. Some of that backdrop, most of you have probably never heard. But God will uniquely equip us, and God will move the pieces to get us where He wants us to go. I would have never thought I was going to wind up in New York. We sold our house for a dollar in Hendersonville. Home I built with my own hands. And my foster parents were living in Asheville, just a few miles away. And it was during that period that I read the promise from the Lord where He said that if you are willing to leave what? Houses and lands and father and mother for my sake, He said, I will take care of you. And I want you folks to know He has. He has taken care of us in an incredible way. And when we went to New York, we stepped into a $3 million debt. The Covenant Mercy Mission had a facility. They were $3 million in debt. They asked us if we would like to come and restart their ministry. Well, we had a place to be, and a number of you have been in that facility. But I had no idea how God was going to take care of that debt. But we went there with a great desire. I went to New York. I, had, I did not have on my radar a desire to start a church in New York. We'd help start a church in, in, in uh, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We'd help restart the church in Hendersonville. What I thought I was going to do is go to New York City and establish an international gospel training center for the message of imputation and atonement. And as we formed the mission statement for that ministry, not only were we going to have an international gospel training center that would bring mission teams, but it would also bring interns. And over the past 20 years, we've had better than 50 interns go through New York City, some of them from this assembly. This year we have 20 different mission teams that have come and spent a week or a half a week with us. And part of the founding mission was also to have a radio broadcast. And a number of months ago, people that we knew from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, purchased a radio station in Manhattan for $7 million dollars. They were just with me last week. And we talked about a radio broadcast. 
Why am I telling you all of this? Because I want you to know that the Spirit of God is available to every single one of us. And the Spirit of God wants to use us for the glory of God and a manifestation of the person and work of Christ wherever we are. We have what we call there in the city, and some of you might be familiar with this, we call it the International Preaching Station. And New York Gospel Ministries has six chapels every week in four different languages now. We have a chapel in Cantonese. We have a chapel in Mandarin. We have a chapel in Spanish. And we have three chapels in English. And the Lord is using our beneficial deed ministry with the donations from Trader Joe's to bring elderly people fixed incomes, Social Security not sufficient. From a great diverse group of people, we have about 300 people that are coming every week now for these chapel services. And just recently, we started a series on the Gospel of John. I have wanted to preach to these language groups. Myself, personally, we've been using videos. We've been using other, some of the pastors that preach on our videos will actually come and be in person and preach in person from time to time. But my heart's been heavy because I've not been able to preach to these Cantonese and Mandarin and Spanish like I want to. Whatever you want to say about AI technology, I'm thankful for it. Because I'm using AI technology now to preach a series in the Gospel of John to the Cantonese, the Mandarin, the Spanish, and the English, and I'm loving it. And in the moments that I have left, I want you to know that we went to New York with a $3 million debt, and that building had to be sold to eliminate the debt, and we had no idea where we were going to go. But the Lord knew. He always knows. And He moved us from the East Village, and some of you have been there, the Angel House, clear across town to the West Side, and gave us a facility. It's Two and a half times what we had on the other side. And guess what? There is no debt. And in 1855, believing people started a ministry to reach kids, have a Sunday school for them, share the gospel of God, 1855. And they became a local body of believers, a Dutch Reformed church. And they continued to preach the gospel in a glorious way. And when their denomination ceased preaching the gospel, they pulled out of the denomination, and the denomination said, we own your building. 
And those people were too poor to purchase it. And it went up for sale. And just before a utility company purchased that building, and it would be no more, the current owner stepped in, purchased that building. It was a not-for-profit ministry, stepped in, purchased that building in the 1940s and rescued it. God used them to rescue your beachhead in Manhattan so it wouldn't be sold. And then in the 1960s, the city of New York went into that part of the city between 23rd Street and 29th Street, between 8th and 9th Avenue, seized all of that property through eminent domain. And with the Jewish Ladies' Garment Union, determined that they were going to tear down everything and build Penn South Housing. Now, they built Penn South Housing, but the owners of the building fought City Hall with the Spirit of God. And God rescued your beachhead a second time. And it's still there. Then in 1973, some war protesters wanted to use the building to stage a riot. Not a riot, a war protest. I think of New York and protests, I always think of riot now. And the owner said no. So they went around the corner to a Greek Orthodox church, and they said no. So those peace-loving people came back and firebombed both those church buildings, burnt the Greek Orthodox church to the ground, but God spared this building from being destroyed by a fire. He kept it from being sold to a utility company. He kept it from City Hall. He's kept it from a fire. And he put a woman when she was seven years old into the Sunday school. She grows up. She marries the pastor. He dies in the 60s. She remains. She lives into her 90s. 96 years old. And she guarded that space. And she wouldn't let anybody take that space from her. She had developers come. One offer of $20 million. If they could just have that space. The great God of glory has guarded a footprint in Manhattan, New York. For the sake of his gospel. and for you. So I thank God for the partnership that you folks have had with us in New York. And I thank God for the impact in the very foundation of us going to New York has come from this place. So be encouraged tonight, believer. We are not alone. The Spirit of God is with us. Thank you.